Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And, as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Right, when, when it comes to action movies, who likes action movies? Good numbers, righto. Uh, payback, vengeance, revenge movies, they usually pull in a few dollars at the box office. Movies like Denzel Washington in The Equaliser, Russell Crowe in Gladiator, Mel Gibson in Payback, Liam Neeson in Taken, Eric Banner and Craig Daniel in Munich, uh, Thomas Jane in The Punisher, Keanu Reeves in John Wick. And Daniel, you and I watched a movie the Friday night and there was a fair bit of payback in that. What was it? Uh, Shooter. Shooter. Um, all, of, all of these movies and heaps more have this very common theme of revenge, payback, vengeance. The baddie has done something terrible and so the goodie tracks them down and dishes out to them exactly what they deserve and the audience are very happy. Why is it that we like these movies so much? I know some of us don't, but a lot of us do. Why is that? Well, it might be just because we love action movies and they're all action movies. But if we're honest, it just might be that in some circumstances, we like the thought of violence. But of course, only, only violence if it's getting done to somebody who really deserves it. And before we jump up and down and protest our innocence, that, oh, we, we would never wish violence upon anyone and, and no godly person would ever do that, I want to point you to Psalm 137. Uh, it was a psalm which was made famous by Boney M. By the rivers of Babylon. Now, the young folk have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> do you not even know, Laura, what I'm talking about? Oh, my goodness, I'm older than I think. Uh, <laughs> Psalm 137 is the people of God crying out against their oppressors, the Babylonians. The Babylonians had done terrible things to them. They'd taken them as captives. And that psalm, it has a verse which is not included in the Boney M song, um, reading from verse 8. 
O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed is he who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Oh, did you know that was in the Bible? Did you? Some did. That sounds awful. But these were people who were crying out from the pain that the Babylonians had inflicted upon them. That's exactly what the Babylonians had done to their children. Dash their heads against the rocks. And so revenge movies, they're just another thing that they tap into our base human instinct for revenge. To see justice done, yes, but vengeful justice. And so the base human desire is for us ourselves to be the ones who wield the justice. I'll get you back for that. You're not going to get away with it. And it is a base human instinct. My parents never, ever taught me how to retaliate. It was quite natural for me to thump my brother when he picked on me. Did anybody else find that natural with their brothers and sisters? And because of this base human instinct we have, uh, the way of Jesus is pretty much a completely foreign concept. What does the world tell us? And, and psychologists teach us. We're taught to stand up for yourself. Don't let people walk all over you. Don't let anyone take advantage of you. Don't let anyone think that you're a soft touch. And, and if you let them get away with it this time, they, you know they're going to do it to you again. It's all about my rights, my freedoms. It's a lot about my own strength and I can't let anyone take advantage of me. But the way of Jesus is so very different. Today we get a picture of the love that God has for us and how because we have received the merciful love of God, which we did not deserve it, because, but because we've received it, the children of God love others in the way that God loves us, even though they don't deserve it. And it's about how we personally love in very practical ways. And it is an extraordinary love. It's the sort of love that is not considered normal. Right, so we're studying Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we are in the Beatitudes. Uh, the blessings and the woes. And particularly when we got to the woes, Jesus' words, we realised that they're actually pretty offensive and deliberately so. For starters, Jesus said, Woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Now, hang on a minute. You know, a lot of people will say, but I worked really hard to get what I have. It's my right to have it because I've worked so hard for it. Maybe. By the way, most people who I've come across who, who protest the strongest about how hard they work for what they have actually had a pretty good head start um, and that was enabled them to build on it. But, but all of that aside, we, by world standards, are rich. And that's why it's offensive to us what Jesus said. As someone said to me after church last week, even an Australian on welfare is rich by world standards. And they're 100% right. It's very true. 
So, oh, how sad it is for us. We've already received our consolation. Oh, how sad it is for us um, because we've got oodles to eat. We shall be hungry. Oh, how sad it is for us who have great happiness and enjoyment in life. We shall mourn and weep. So what can we do about this? I mean, these things, wealth, plenty of tucker, happy times, yes, they are worldly physical blessings, but they're also blessings that we thank God for, don't we? And you see, God provides us with what we need. And we pray, thank you, Lord. And God provides us with the food we eat. And we say, thank you, Lord. And he blesses us with, with happiness and, and good times. And we praise him for this. But the thing is, if so these are the blessings of God. But if we keep all of these blessings for ourselves and for our own satisfaction, that's when the blessings become woes. Physical blessings, if I'm worldly about them, physical blessings, if I'm selfish about them, become woes. So if the circumstances in life that God has placed me in means that I am rich, it means that I am well-fed, it means that I am happy, does that mean that I'm doomed? Does that mean that, that I'm stuck with this horrible woe? Oh, how sad it is for me. Things are going to go really bad for me on Judgment Day. Of course not. And we touched on this last week, and this is what we're going to be building on this week. It's what we do with what we have. But where do we begin? Well, we have to begin with salvation. I want to assure you that the Lord has forgiven your sins. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and through repentance of sins, we have been saved by grace. That means it's a free gift from God. And so this whole section here of extraordinary love, love and mercy, is, is about us being faithful sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. As the children of God, we love others as our Heavenly Father has loved us. Because God has been great in mercy toward us, we are great in mercy toward others. Chip off the old block, if you like. And so, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we use everything that God has blessed us with, with love and mercy toward others. Now, the extraordinary love that, that Jesus is on about here, it's not about, it's not an affection, and it's not an emotion. And it's not a feeling. It's about willing service. And it's not a love which is restrained in any way to a feeling. It's something which is expressed. And it's expressed in actions. Every word of Jesus in today's Bible reading is about what we do. It's about how we give. It's about how we treat others. It's about how we serve. It's about being merciful. It's about doing good. Why? Because as disciples of Jesus, we become just like our Heavenly Father. And he expects us to.
Right, so the first lesson is love those who oppose you. Now, this can be really hard. Um, out of the four woes and the four blessings, the, the ones that Jesus had most to say about uh, were to do with being hated, being mistreated, being excluded, or to use today's language, being cancelled because of our relationship with Jesus. He said, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Right? Our reward in heaven is great. But how does it become great? Well, it's about how we respond to those who hate us. It's not just because we are hated that we get extra reward. It's about how we respond when we are hated and when we are cancelled and when people have a go at us for being disciples of Jesus. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. When Christians are persecuted for the sake of Jesus, we do not retaliate. Um, you know, during all of the lockdowns and whatnot that were hap happening, a lot of Christians at that time felt that they were being persecuted. And they felt that, oh, you know, because we, we're restricted on what we can and can't do, that's, that, that's persecution. And that's the way they felt. Um, and the number of times during that period I had it quoted to me, all it takes for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. And of course, but by the way, can anyone tell me where that is in the Bible? Pop quiz? I'm glad to hear that because it's not there. It's not from the Bible. It's a quote, I think it might have been from one of the Kennedys, I think. Not sure. Um, but of course, what they were saying is, we need to jump up and down about this. We need to fight about this. We need to fight and push back to make sure that, that we're not being persecuted in the way that we are. Now, that's not at all true. Um, disciples of Jesus, when they are persecuted for being Christians, we do not retaliate. Um, but we do do something. It is right when it says all it takes for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing because disciples of Jesus don't just not retaliate. We do do something. What do we do? We do good. We do good. In the name of Jesus, we do good to those who hate us and we bless those who curse us and we pray for those who abuse us. That's the way of disciples of Jesus because that's the way that Jesus taught us. If someone gives you an uppercut on the jaw, or if they slap you on the face, we turn the other cheek. Now, for some of you, that will be completely different to your upbringing. But it's the way of Jesus. And one, one commentary I read summed it up like this. Love is available, vulnerable, and subject to repeated abuse. Love is available. Okay, we can go along with that, can't we? Yep, 
We are told to love others. We give love. Love is vulnerable. That's a bit tough, but it's true, isn't it? That as we love unconditionally other people, it does leave us a bit vulnerable. And love is subject to repeated abuse. That's what turning the other cheek is about. It means that we don't retaliate this time, and guess what? That might mean that we cop it again. And so the first lesson is love those who oppose you. Even if they take your coat, let them have your shirt as well. Give to everyone who begs. And if anyone steals from you, do not demand it back. Now, that sort of stuff, it only makes sense if we know that God sees God sees everything. God knows everything. And God will reward his faithful who do good even when they have been had evil done to them. But you know what? We also know that God is the one who will bring his judgment. God sees everything. And everything, every evil deed will be judged. By the way, there's two ways in which God judges. Of course, we're well aware that on the day that Jesus returns, on that day of judgment, God will punish the wrongdoer. But we also need to remember that the authorities are God's appointed servants to administer justice and to punish the wrongdoer today. And so Jesus' words here um, are not about a political turning of the other cheek, right? So if, if another nation invades Australia... It's not right for Australia to go, oh, well, we, we're not going to defend ourselves. It is Australia has been you know, appointed to do defence, and that's, that's godly. And likewise, it, it's not right for, for there to be societal laxness in law and, and law enforcement. It is right for the police and the law courts to convict and punish the wrongdoer. They are serving God when they do this. And as one of the children said here before, when, when Robin asked the children, and, and what would you do if somebody takes your lunch? They said, well, we'll tell the teacher. Of course, they are the authorities who will administer justice there and then. But the child might then the next day take some extra lunch to share with the one who has nothing. And so... Jesus' words here, they're not about politics. They're not about law and order. It's for us personally as disciples of Jesus. We love those who oppose us and we do good for them and we do it knowing that God's got this. God sees, God knows, and he rewards his faithful. The second lesson is do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is about giving and serving way beyond what a person deserves or what they've earned. For disciples of Jesus, our love and service for others is so lavish, it goes beyond what they deserve. Jesus tells us here that that if we only love those who love us, what benefit is that to us? By the way, in the Greek, the word that's used there, depending on your version, for benefit or credit, 
The word that's actually used there in the Greek is charis, which is the word for grace. Charis is, is the favour of a superior. In this case, God. So if you love only those who love you, what grace is that for you? What favour of God is that for you? Now, if you're anything like me, you probably think along the lines of, well, I'll be nice to you just as soon as you're a bit nicer to me. Um, or I'll give you a bit of help just as soon as you earn it. Does anyone else sort of generally think along those lines? Yeah. But the way of Jesus is we've got to be better than that. We are to be like our Heavenly Father. Even sinners love those who love them. How are we any different if we only love those who love, love us? Even sinners do good for those who do good to them. How are we any better if we only do good to those who do good to us? Even sinners will lend stuff to people that, they, that they're sure they're going to get back from and profit from it or, or who will loan stuff to them in return. How are we any better if we do the same? We do to others what we would like them to do to us. Which brings us to the third lesson. The divine standard, the way of God. Our Heavenly Father is kind to the ungrateful. And he's kind to the evil. In other words, he's merciful and gracious. While we were evil, God was kind to us. While we were still sinners, he gave his son to die for us. Love, kindness, mercy, give, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. Verse 35 sums it up. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. That is how woes become blessings. God has blessed you and I enormously. And if we live like every other sinner does, counting our blessings and banking our blessings and self-directing our blessings to reward ourselves, where's, where's the heavenly reward in that? That comes under the category of woe. Oh, how bad it is for you. But if we love and are kind and merciful, if we give to those who are in genuine need, if we do good, even to people who don't treat us nicely, if we loan, not being sure that we're actually going to get it back, and we do these things knowing full well that this sort of love is going to cost us, it makes us vulnerable, it means we could be open to repeated abuse. 
But if we love like God loves, then blessed we will be indeed. Great is the grace. Great is the reward. Great is the favour of God because he delights in those who follow after his ways. Aren't you glad we're studying a gospel? The teachings of Jesus are some of the most challenging words, some of the most confronting words in the whole of the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are merciful, that you are kind to the ungrateful, kind to the evil, because that was us. It was while we were evil and it was while we were ungrateful that you sent your son to die on the cross. It is by your grace and mercy that it is even possible for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so our hearts overflow with thanks. And Lord, give us the mind of Christ. Help us to be loving. Help us to be gracious and merciful. Help us to be like our Heavenly Father. Lord, remove from us the pride that we hold on to, that, that pride that neglects the plight of our fellow man, that pride and selfishness that says, you don't deserve it, you can't be trusted, you hurt me. Lord, give us hearts of love. Love for those who don't deserve it. Service for those who would never be of service to us doing good to those who have probably never done anything good in their life. I guess what we're praying for, Lord, is a complete transformation. Take our wicked hearts and fill us with love and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.